0: Hello and welcome to episode 199 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today on the podcast, we welcome Jonathan Fuller. You may know him from such bands as Sleepy Time Trio, Bats and Mice, Denali, or my personal favorite, Engine Down. Jonathan has seen a lot, and one thing that he's proud of... The Word Emo. You're going to hear a lot about that. And also, we talk about his band's career and what he's doing now, writing music for some of your favorite commercials. Special shout out to Dave from LaPesh for hooking Jonathan I up for this podcast. If you want to support, also head on over to patreon.com slash washed up emo to support this endeavor. This is episode 199 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Jonathan Foley.
1: I would say mostly through skateboarding, um, you know, when, so I was always interested in music. Um, when I was little, I took violin, I played trombone in the school band. Um, and and Keeley and I grew up together, Keeley from Engine Down. Um, he and I, from the time we were, you know, five years old, um, were good pals and hanging out and um he had like he he had all the like his parents were in a cover band like a wedding band um and they had a jam room like in their basement um so they had all the stuff and they would let us use it um and so we would go in there and and make god awful noise before any of us could play anything um and so we spent a lot of time doing that. Actually, you know, before we even started banging around on that, we would pretend that we were like when we did imaginative play when we were little little dudes. We were like pretending we were in bands. We were pretending we were fucking Prince or we would divvy up the people in Duran Duran. And be like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm Simon Le Bon. Okay, cool. I'll be Nick Rhodes or whatever. Um, and that's like how we. I think it was mostly our friend Brad who was super into like this like rock star play stuff um but like you know that's we grew up doing that stuff we actually took promo photos for a for a band um you know before we could play anything um based on Keely had Keely had all the cool stuff he had like a leather jacket and he had these spiked shit that his parents would like buy this stuff for him cuz they're like yeah he looks cool um so he had all the stuff and he had this dumbass hat i mean at the time it was badass but he had this hat that said screamer on it with like that neon glow of and i think there was probably like s- skulls on either side of the oh, like lightning yeah. bolts it may have been like a ride at a at king's dominion or something that's maybe where it came from <laughs> um but we were like screamers the name of the band um so we took like polaroid promo photos for our band keely had the real guitar i think i was holding a tennis racket Um, and we're standing in front of, so this will be, this will tell you what age we were. We're standing in front of his, um, uh, sort of abandoned, uh, um, big, huge piece of cardboard for breakdancing. You know, like he had a, you had to, yeah. So he had that thing and he's like, well, we're not breakdancing anymore. Now we're into rock and roll. Uh, so we, um, we use that as a backdrop. That's Um,
0: amazing.
1: So, you know, I think it was always interesting to me like there was always some bug um that was like wanted to be part of a band um, do this sort of thing um so we would always be messing around on um on keely's parents stuff and a rotating cast of friends through skateboarding um would would be over there and we were We were into alternative music, you know, like 120 minutes, um, like sub pop, uh, you know, AMREP, like all that stuff. Well, I I guess before that, you know, it went from Prince and Duran Duran to like Motley Crew and hair bands and stuff like that. And then we started getting into heavier metal and around the time that we were getting into heavier metal like we started getting interested in this sort of tangential you know offshoots and weirder music um alternative music right. um and uh, you know i think it, that it kind of um our interest in that and like sort of learning about you know you're in lynchburg so, like, we're getting these weird. We have. I'm really thankful that I grew up in a place that small because I have all these really disparate influences. There wasn't a scene that was like. There wasn't a club where fucking any bands were coming through. Right. But certainly there wasn't like a. It wasn't clicky. It was like, if you were weird, you banded together, you know? So we we're hanging out with hippies. We we're hanging out with, you know, whoever. And you just found out about some band and you weren't like, cool, I'm going to check it out because it's on this label or they toured with X. It was like, you just liked the album artwork or you heard it in somebody's car or whatever. And, that was it. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're into all this, you know, sort of stuff all over the map. Um, and at the same time, starting to play music together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that primarily it was skateboarding and the older dudes, you know, that would that could drive when we couldn't drive yet, and you'd go into their car and they'd be playing something and you know, like sheep and there were the older, cooler dudes. So you get out of the car and you sheepishly like, you know, ask one of your other friends, like, hey man, did you know what that was? <clears throat> like, hey what what was that music he was playing? It was super cool. <laughs> um but uh yeah I I think it was it was mostly skateboarding watching skateboarding videos and then um yeah 120 minutes and and that sort of thing
0: the dig or the search like why 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 did that why did it go down that path
1: yeah i mean i think i think it took a while for me to figure out a lot of stuff was just like around you know like i I knew what i didn't like um and i and i was sort of gravitating towards a bunch of stuff so you know we keely and i started this band in high school you know with our friend clark um i was playing drums all three of us could kind of play guitar and it was like okay uh if we want to do a band like what are we going to do here um so uh keely was like i'll play bass fine um and uh and i could just barely play the drums better than Keely so um I ended up playing the drums um but we we did this band and we um we played covers um but we also wrote you know like our own songs and you know we were covering like a Lemonhead song and a Tool song and a fucking you know it was a My Bloody Valentine song like it was just super weird we did not have a point of view right you know i mean i guess we kind of did um but it was all these crazy influences and um and we so you know and the other thing is we would play um like like so we're like 15 16 um and we would go play these gigs at like restaurants or we'd get you know paid to play at a bar you know like that definitely nobody was interested in hearing what nobody came to hear us I mean we're right. playing at a, a normal ass restaurant playing like our original songs that like these people could give a fuck about and then also covers like oh let's please everybody with some covers that they're like super bummed on that are like grating and like right. no thank you um but but like you know we had zero overhead we're like making money you know like at these jobs um and that thinking about it now it's like so crazy to me that we were like i don't know whatever and i think i think that that influence came from his parents were in this wedding band and they they did it and they got paid to like gig and we're like cool that's what you do there wasn't a blueprint for us to like tour or like put on our own shows like nobody was doing that until a little bit later right. like what we knew was you're in a band and you people make, pay you to play at a fucking restaurant and you
0: make people happy you don't make them mad. yeah
1: yeah right 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 um and then you know we we started sort of learning um you know a little bit more about diy and and started playing like venues where it was like okay cool like let's play for people that care about what we're doing not people that just have to suffer through it um,
0: and were you driving to these shows or were you starting to, you know, realize what was going on locally?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. Um, you know, we started playing a little bit outside of Lynchburg, like uh, Roanoke was like sort of a sister city. Yep. Um, and we ended up making a lot of they, they there were bands would come to Roanoke. Um, so there and they had a couple of clubs, you know, that routinely had underground music. And so we would go there and play Um, and there was it felt like more of a scene of our scene happening there, you know, at that time. So we were going there all the time um, and ended up making a lot of good friends there and did our first tour with a band from Roanoke called Swank. Um, Oh, you know. Yeah. You know, Swank. Yeah. Um, Dave.
0: Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and Tony, yeah, it was Tony at the time, Tony was in the band. Right. Um and, and he was, you know, a big um, you know, organizer in the Roanoke scene, booking shows and all that stuff. Um so once we got in with him And what band he, was
0: that at the time?
1: Uh the band with Keeley was called Herschel. Um and we put out four tapes. We self released four tapes. It's <laughs> <That's> a big <laughs> um, deal. Are those yeah, on Spotify yeah, yeah. too? Oh hell no! Well no. Those things are those things are. <laughs> I don't think they've been digitized, um, but I, one of them has because we actually uh, a few months ago, Keely, Clark and I, uh, somebody had digitized it, and I, you know, like, so we're on like a group thread, and um, you know, the files got shared, and I was like, okay, <laughs> here we go, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, this is way less cringy than I thought it was going to be. It was our last one, right? Um, so he had but four? I, wow, dude, four. I mean, like, you that's know, and big, and th- that's like. You're a big band.
0: If you made <laughs> Dude, four huge self-release so tapes. So huge. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um yeah, and and we knew that it was we were sort of self-aware enough that by the time we put out our fourth tape, <laughs> we called it four, Herschel 4, like Roman numerals cuz we were like yeah. we're like this this shit is ridiculous. We know that this is stupid. that We're not on a label and we just keep putting stuff out, but here you go, epic number 4. Like Led Zeppelin 4. Um Of course. But uh so you're doing the shows with Swank. You're doing oh, yeah, you're like yeah.
0: Roanoke. Like you're starting to go a little bit outside of yeah, your comfort and, zone. Yeah, and
1: starting to travel, you know, to other places to hearing about more music. Um, and, you know, like we're starting to hear m- more sort of punk, more post-hardcore. Um, and that started having, you know, a lot of pull – I think on me personally um and there were a couple of you know like a i think i saw and knew so at this point it's like late high school and um we would seen a few different bands i went on a trip to north carolina with a couple of friends and um we saw this band play in a living room and these two older guys that were with us on the trip who lived in Richmond um, and were already in college were like, Oh yeah, that band was kind of emo, you know, like whatever. And I'm like, okay, what, what is that? Like, tell me more about that. Um, and they're like, Oh yeah, it's this thing. I mean, you know, it's kind of like Fugazi, but not totally like Fugazi, but like, it's usually like there's some screamed <laughs> lyrics and there's like, it makes you feel a certain way. And it's kind of dark. Um, and I was fucking all in. I was like, yes, that is my band? shit. I, d- I have no idea. No, and and honestly, what it city? wasn't even Charlotte. So it was, um, a, it was a
0: living room show, show in yeah, Charlotte. Howl show in Charlotte,
1: and honestly, it wasn't even it wasn't even the band. Like what? Because the band was kind of not totally there. But the way these dudes were describing this form of music, I was like, that is my shit. Like what you're talking about right now is like everything you're saying. Like that is what I want to do. That's what I want to be a part of. What um, year? This would have been. 93 or 94 wow those Um, dudes were
0: epic then those guys were ahead of the curve
1: they were oh definitely definitely i mean it was just bubbling or maybe i guess it was so 94 is when i finished high school so yeah i'm thinking it was 94 um but so and then around the same time around that same year i saw um tony was like, hey, you should come to Roanoke. There's this show. These these band is coming through. It was Policy of Three, was coming through with Shopmaker, and um, and he was like, you just should come. You know, you just basically you just have to come see this band. Um, and so I came through, and Policy through was great, but Shopmaker fucking blew my mind. Like I was like, that that is it. That is the thing. And around the same time, I was in Richmond hanging out, um, not there for a show but I ran into, you know, this guy that I had met before is actually Tom, who was a drummer in Maximilian Colby. Yes. Um, So he's there um, and I had met him, like our, like Herschel played with Max Colby once or something, so I I had met him. And um, he was like, you gotta stick around, you know, I was supposed to drive home. And he was like, "Um, this band Hoover is playing and you just have to stay seeing them as like a religious experience. No shit. And so I was like, oh, you know, cool. Like, definitely took this guy's reco because I absolutely idolized him. Right. Um. So went and saw Hoover play again in just a fucking kitchen, you know, like super packed kitchen in Richmond, and the Shotmaker show and the Hoover show just were like, they were like epiphanies for me. And I don't know if you've ever had anyone on the show who is like, emo, yes, sign me up, who has no qualms being like, fuck yeah, that is me. 1%. (laughs) Yeah, that is me, dude. I was all in. You know, like when I figured out that other people were like so sort of laser focused on this one aspect of music and the way that it makes you feel and the catharsis and stuff, I was like, sign me up. So, and then when people started... You know to jump ahead like when sleepy time started and you know like that's the genre we were playing emo or screamo or whatever like i was like yeah fuck yeah dude like i've like i'm stoked that they're calling that the music that i'm making this it means i'm part of this thing that i love Right. Um, so I was, it's funny that everybody has all these misgivings. I'm sure the people in engine down and other people in sleepy time are like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like not into it, but I'm fucking all in, especially at the time. I mean, of course right. it's like complex word now, but like I was so on board.
0: What's crazy that that time period I feel had this pure sense where Internet hadn't taken hold. Like it's not right. like, you know, you took that recommendation and it wasn't like again you looked it up online or you had a yeah. magazine to look through. There was nothing. It was right. just show me this. And yeah. I thought there was such an earnestness. Like I saw Policy of Three and Frail come through. I grew up in Vermont and yeah. they came kind of and it, it changed the scene. Like right. it changed cities as they played. And I feel like there's these You can't tell anymore. Like there, you can't look at the Twitter data to see all the tweets about it, and so that euphoria, that epicness—if you want to describe that a little bit more—because people have heard me describe it way too many times. Like it's there's just a difference. It's not contrived.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's. Um, do you are you familiar with the Spanish word duende? No, tell me. Um, so there's not really. I mean, and I mean, you know, like academics have spent their lives like def- trying to define this word or like talking like I'm sure anybody who actually is in the academic field and hears me talk about it is going to be like, oh, God. Um, Welcome but, to my so life it's, as a podcaster. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's um, it's a Spanish word that doesn't have a any sort of direct English correlation. And honestly, it doesn't even have a good you know Spanish definition like there's two sort of like meanings one is literally a goblin um, and the other is sort of as it pertains to art is like this feeling um, it's like your body's physical response to a piece of evocative art whether that makes you smile cry get chills um, it's like this like state of being um, that's all wrapped up in beauty and pain and authenticity. It, um, and I, I wish there was a more succinct way to like describe it, but like that word is like the feeling that I a- always was shooting for, whether I was like listening to music or creating music. It was like that sort of like electric, you know, outside yourself, moment um that was like my that has been my whole you know goal in consuming music and like i was always into the moodiest um you know most cinematic song on whatever record by whatever band so when bands started doing making entire records of it i was like this is my shit
0: right no i mean the cinematic thing too like you can see it in a movie you see the there's a epic or euphoric moment to it. I mean, if we, if we want to talk about one of the songs, rock candy, I mean, the first time I heard that, like, I just was like, okay, who is this? How did they figure that? Like they have it like, or they got it. Like this is that really quiet and then really loud. Yeah. And then the sort of instrumental moment, like it just, that wasn't happening at that time. Right. A lot of places.
1: Yeah. 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 It definitely it felt cool to you know to take these influences super disparate you know like i i think the first time i ever got into a band a, a label like whole hog was probably gravity um you know like and like release one through 15 you know like i owned um just was like yes 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 please yes what else you got um but yeah taking but then i also had i don't know whatever the influences were all over the place um but i just was real pumped you know like to sort of feel find this musical community and and dig deeper um dig deeper in it yeah
0: i mean that golita scene the you know you said the gravity stuff like those like pickle patch steve Aoki, like that yeah. whole thing yeah, yeah um and then to know that it was sort of you know there was a thing in colorado or there was right. you know stuff happening in in virginia there was stuff happening in the northeast like it just it was interesting that it wasn't as simple as us joining a facebook group and yeah. there was this oh this distro has this comp what's on right. this and then you yeah. start digging and
1: yeah I, totally
0: even though it was slower i enjoyed i enjoyed that search
1: yeah, that definitely felt formative for me, too. You know, like I, I I am happy to have had that be a part. So, you know, growing up in Lynchburg and then I went to college in Harrisonburg, which is another, you know, even smaller Mennonite, you know, farming community where, again, nothing cool was going on unless you made it. Um, and again, you're hanging out with anybody who's like weird. Right. Um, Yeah, I, mean,
0: I I went to Elon, and it's like yeah, frats and yeah. sororities. And you did if you saw a kid with a snapcase shirt on, <laughs> yeah. you. I mean, that's how I met Ryan from Hope's Fall. He was in my awesome. first band. He was wearing a yeah. snapcase shirt, and I jumped on his back, and yeah. I was like, "We're going to be friends." I I know you already. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, come, we're friends. So, but you, I mean, JMU and XJM, and then yeah. you know, MacRock.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff was all super awesome. I mean, to um, be able
0: to meet bands, to come through, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it, was, it turned into a place.
1: Yeah, Harrisonburg was, was, you know, even though it's a teeny place, it, it, like, bands would come through, and, you know, just regional bands, like occasionally bands from outside the region, but, you know, we're just having house shows, um, and, and I ended up living at um, houses that had shows and stuff um spaghetti house i lived at a place called the funk house the funk house Um, and and before that i lived at um 401 south high which is where refused played their last show right um but um i wasn't i I had moved out by that point but um i was at the
0: show the a couple days before Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're awesome. like, w- 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 they're like, we are done. I was like, oh shit! I'm glad <laughs> I'm here.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Get to see Frodus. Get to see you guys. Like, good, good to go. Yeah. But when when Sleepy Time was was happening in that time period, like, were you connecting the same way that you were connecting with Hoover or Max Colby? Like, did you start to feel that? that was something, or was there negativity already? Because I just saw a flyer today, and it was a hardcore 97, and it had these hardcore bands, and then every emo band, there was a snide comment under it. <laughs> so it just, awesome. it was like, oh I, great, I another emo band, or yeah, whatever it was, right, so when right, you were right. doing Sleepy Time, were you already getting shit, or? I don't
1: remember ever getting shit. You just um, blocked it out, out. it's fine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think it
1: was you know and, and honestly like if we got shit I was proud enough of yes. where where I was coming from that like I was like that's fine I don't want to be some meathead hardcore band you know like like I'm happy doing like make fun of me all you want it means you're like a homophobe or something you know right. like like I was like cool like fine um so I don't remember any of that stuff really sticking um I think I- How about the scene
0: wise? Like you guys playing, did you start to see people get it or?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Well, Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, um, you know, playing in Harrisonburg was always when we were, you know, when we were living there was always funny because you're just playing these parties with a bunch of super drunk people. And, you know, Harrisonburg did not have a large music scene. So there would be like four people who got it. (laughs) And then the rest of them would just be like, wow, these guys are screaming a lot, man. Like, I'm going to go get another beer. Right. Um, But then, you know, when you traveled, like when we would play other places where there was a bit more of a scene and people went bananas, it was like, oh, fuck, this is really cool. Um, You know, and that was when you started getting that awesome sort of feedback, uh, you know, with the crowd where it becomes this communal it's not just like oh yeah a band is playing and you're there receiving it you know like right. it's like there's an energy in the room and everyone's experience it's like this electric energy um and i think part of that has to do with like us probably getting better um and when we first started playing it probably was pretty painful to watch but um but uh and you were all in on this what about everybody else when like the
0: constructing of those songs the reason i brought up rock candy cuz it just has this great peak it's got you know a valley and then it comes yeah, back like right. th- it's 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 almost like if i send a mixtape of what i want a band to sound i send rock candy just because right. of the the pieces of it so when you were constructing that or starting that was there uh i know it wasn't conscious but how did those start to form
1: Well, yeah, when the band first started, um, we like I I was a freshman at JMU and Drew had been in Maximilian Colby. Maximilian Colby still existed. Um, They were still a band and Drew, but everybody was living in different places. Drew was the only one who was still in Harrisonburg and um, he wanted to do just like a loud band, like no quiet parts, just like full steam ahead, um, short songs keep it simple mm-hmm. um and we we wrote the first you know like seven songs in like you know four weeks or something just wow. like bang bang just like and, the, and and none of them had quiet parts they might have had like a pause here and there but they were just like straight freaking face melters um and then the following seven songs because like sleepy times catalog is not huge um, it took us two and a half years to write. Because, and I think you know a lot of that is like Drew ended up graduating and moving away. And so we're all in different cities, but also uh, Dave Niesmith joined the band and then we started doing the like, making the songs a little more int- intricate and less just like full steam ahead. Um, but yeah, so those first seven songs were just like came out of us so quickly and effortlessly. And it was just like, let her rip! Just like open the tap, fully. Like no bad ideas. Like go right. um And then you know, because it was a side project, like woohoo, we're just having fun. And then I think when Max Colby ended and Dave joined the band, it was like, oh, this is and this is going to be a real band. And we started you know paying a little more attention to it. And and that's when you know the first set of songs. Um, I think Jesus Extract was in the first set of songs. But everything else was, like, you know, not not necessarily one something that you would say is, like, an identifiable, you know, Sleepy Time song. Like, one of the more, whatever, uh, listened jams. Um, but, yeah, so those came super fast. And then, literally, everything after that was pulling teeth. Um, it was just, like, would be these, like, marathon, you know sessions where we're writing music and we all get frustrated enough to like absolutely rage on our instruments. And then the magic would happen. You know, it's like hour seven of like some epic day long thing where you're so over it and you just start going bananas. And it's like, Oh, cool. That, that, that is the thing that we were looking for. When you're so (laughs) angry, you wanted to kill everyone in the room that was that's when you know like it all congealed or whatever wow so yeah
0: has it been is it weird for people to bring up sleepy time when it was such a short amount of time and I mean it's been fun Um, to see the little you know you did play a south by like there's been stuff over the years that it was like oh cool
1: yeah um I think it's fun you know we it's the right combination of personalities to be you know we didn't ever officially break up you know we just sort of stopped doing it we never we never put out a message to say we were breaking up so we don't even call the, our our shows reunions you right. know like it's we just, just another play show. yeah um, and they are just like 7 years in between um but um yeah i mean i think um i again it's really niche and if you were around i don't i don't definitely don't expect anyone who never heard it back then hear it and be like wow this is really cool i totally get it you know like it's like (laughs) no this this is a really bad recording um you know like it sounds like these guys are really going off but like and that's mostly because it's super sloppy um but um but yeah i think i think if you were there then i can you know it meant a lot to me and and i there are plenty of bands of that era that meant a lot to me that if you heard it now for the first time you'd be like that is garbage um you know so I I understand to a certain degree, you know, that people still care about it. And I think it's awesome.
0: And then how did you meet Love It?
1: Um, Brian had released um, some Max Colby stuff. And so I met Brian through um, the, you know, Drew and David. Um, and, you know, fairly early on, Drew was like, Hey, yeah, Brian wants to put out our record. And or put out a seven inch or whatever. And it was like, awesome. It's really happening.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, love it was just down, down the road for, for school, right. Uh, which right. was crazy. He was at Guilford. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it was, you know, he's putting on shows and it was those little pockets. Like you said, there's these people, like you said, your friend in Roanoke, like that I think have a larger impact than people realize. Cause if those people aren't doing those things, Records aren't getting put out. It's yeah. It, there, there is a barrier of entry.
1: Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian offering to put that out. You know, the Sleepy Time catalog is just like a song here, a song there on a bunch of weird ass. Like, oh, we met this <laughs> band or like this guy from some label in Nashville is putting out a comp. Um, right. You know. So. Um, and then you know we did like a proper. I mean, not even proper. I think the thing only has six songs on it, um, but a 12 inch um, with Love It. And then, uh, you know, he ended up putting everything together on that CD.
0: Compact but disc, yeah. memory minus. Yeah. Solid.
1: Um, and I think the
0: interesting part of that, of your transfer to Engine Down, was, uh, you know, again, those intricate parts, the instrumental, the more. Uh, The more, you know, uh, uh, shoegaze that was kind of happening. How did, from that transition to, you know, and again, you were busy. It was like, (laughs) when I was like trying to look back, I was like, oh my God, like this band was going on, but then this was happening at the same time. And then you were, you definitely, you know, you you were busy in the uh, late, late 2000s, or sorry, late 90s, early 2000s.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I I was super pumped to be doing all that, Um, you know, still in college and doing touring in the summer and playing like, you know, like a week's worth of shows over spring break, just packing it in when we could. Um, While I was, I guess I was still in sleepy time. um, My friend Marty asked me to fill in in the in the Young Pioneers. And so I played for a little while the drums in the Young Pioneers. And I had to quit so bummed. So Brooks had quit. um, And they basically asked me to be in the band. And I was like, or they asked me to play for like a few shows. And I did that. And they were like, yeah, cool. This is a good fit. Um, Played some more shows. And then they had a full tour. They booked a full tour with Carp, And I was like, dude, yes, I want to do it. But it was during, it fell. I would have to miss you know, three and a half weeks of school. And I so I had to say no. And so they got somebody else. Um, which was good because they were a band. That's what they were doing. You know, like they couldn't take they couldn't put their schedule on fucking college time. Um, but um but yeah, the sleepy time still existed, um, but had slowed down a little bit and I wanted to do a band where I was playing guitar um and and honestly straight up just wanted to sound like Hoover, um, <laughs> you know, like no bones about it, just like uh had seen them multiple times at that point, um, and they just had their aesthetics so dialed in, um and al primarily you know like the his just his guitar and his like his the soul of his performance, like I really, really latched on to that um and you know thankfully it ended up you know turning into something different because you know you when you get different people involved um it turns into a different thing um but pretty quickly so i i ended up talking to my friend jason who was from roanoke we had grown up you know like ever since i started going to roanoke he skated too, and um he was like an unofficial member in swank you know one of the guys that would just come was just like the uh, fourth singer um the like third bobo of the band um and uh, reference
0: good reference a Veil (laughs) reference good job
1: um (laughs) and then so and then he roadied for sleepy time and became the bobo of sleepy time if there was a bobo you know like basically singing parts like if somebody blew out their voice it was like jason you sing all of drew's parts tonight (laughs) um but uh so you know he and he just was like one of my best friends and um so starting he was it was like yeah we are gonna start a band and then uh our friend jeremy was another uh sort of no-brainer um and something about like starting the band with really earnest intentions was like too daunting. So we were like into Antioch arrow um, and they had put out that gems of masochism record where they're all like in drag on the cover. And like, we were like, Oh cool. Like maybe if we kind of make it like a, like, a weird band then we don't have to like act like we care about it and so that was the guise under which we were going to try to start a band like rather than like yo man we're going to take this seriously it was like we're going to do this thing it's going to be kind of weird and fun um, so that's how we roped Cornbread in um, by telling them that we were you know going to do a, essentially like a uh, Post hardcore Prince cover band, um, <laughs> and then when we got together to actually play, it was like actually that that shit is not going to happen. We we can't pull that off. Um, let's just write the music that comes out of us, and um, yeah. Uh, so we started doing that stuff, and and um, and then Sleepy Time sort of fizzled, and um, and Engine Down kept going through all of this. Um, we were, Sleepy Time became good friends with 400 Years and did a couple tours with them. And then when Sleepy Time fizzled, like they took Engine Down out a couple times. Um, we sort of became their like summertime tour buddies because, like, you know, uh, the drummer in 400 Years was also still in school. So they were on a similar schedule um, of like only tour- doing big tours in the summers. Right. Did you feel
0: the word? Being said still, and did you like that it was? I mean, you probably did, but feeling it yeah, connected because right. we can talk about the word screamo later because I think it applies yeah. later on. But that, that word and that band like your record offer, I mean, that the song they offer is something like, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's emo, it's emo it's shit. It's so
0: jam, <laughs> it's so much of a jam, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like,
0: we could do a whole podcast just on that song <laughs> next time if you'd like, but that legit changed my. Like, I just heard that and was like, it changed my life. Awesome. Like that song. So w- w- the word coming at you, I want to talk about the word because I feel like yeah. you have opinions on it. Th- yeah. Did you feel like you needed to shed it?
1: Um, Not at that point. Not yet. I mean, I think... You know because no, you
0: were doing a hoover cover band at that point yeah,
1: exactly exactly you know like yeah like uh, I'm writing lyrics the uh, <laughs> you know sending blank letters to a blind lover like I'm not trying to shed the word emo you know um <laughs> the I think at the time you know it was probably still happening and honestly it was convenient it was like yes that is what we sound like you know like that's I, I think at that time with it being sort of being around longer. I, I was less of, a, you know, um, you know, uh, uh an acolyte. Is that the right word? I, I was less of, less of like, uh, you know, a gung ho. It was just sort of like, okay, it is that, that that's accurate. You know, right. it wasn't like, yeah, I'm a part of it. It is who I am. You know, like, like <laughs> that, when I first found it, that's what, but, you know, like I was like, it is who I am. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, I am officially I an employee of
0: Wash Jeff So just want to let you know you're <laughs> on the payroll checks come every other week. So there's good insurance. Perfect. You got dental. So nice. Nice. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> okay. Great. Um, but, um, yeah, the, I, I don't, I think it was, I think probably the rest of the guys bristled at it more than maybe I did. And I started picking up, you know, like with Jason, no, Jason was all on board just as much as I was. Um, but like cornbread came from more of like an indie rock background. Um, and, um, yeah. And I think, and Jeremy, you know, I don't think that we ever started really bristling against it until, um, probably until, you know, it, it became this sort of like mall emo, like the co-opting phase. That's when it was like, well, that's that now that is not what we are. Um, and it wasn't even co-opting. That's just where, you know, that's where it the went. word went. Um, but, um, that's when I feel like it was like, you know, when we started saying like, we're, we're loud rock with melodic vocals, you know, like post rock. Um, yeah. 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 Rather than like, at the beginning, I remember, it was like, oh yeah, we're an emo band. That's what we are.
0: I remember a Mac rock where it was just r- red lights Yeah. and, I don't remember what year it was. I, I was actually going to... I have every booklet from MacRock I kept. Nice. Um, nice. And I was going to look at it, and then I was it was doing work and crap and got caught up. But I remember these just red lights, Yeah. and it wasn't this outwardly aggression. It was more this inward aggression. Yeah, right. And I think it might have been to bury within the sound era. Yeah. But that was... And then I saw this sort of switch, and I think I... I I don't know. It's hard to go from like you know, it's like a hardcore band all of a sudden, you know, writing singer songwriter stuff. Sometimes people revolt.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, well, we didn't have enough fans to bum anybody out, (laughs) Um, or bum that, or worry about bumming out the six people that bought the record or whatever. Um, Do you remember that though? Like those. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. We certainly didn't have it as bad as a band like Cave In, you know, like where they were just like a straight fucking you know metal band, and then all of a sudden you got this guy singing beautifully, and it's like, what the hell? I didn't, you know, like I'm not into this. This is for girls. Don't worry, in
0: twenty years Pitchfork will give you a nine point eight and say it was groundbreaking. Don't worry, you're fine. You just Just gotta wait twenty years. Just
1: wait, just wait. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, really, it was like that all. You know, we started the band with Jeremy, we wrote all those songs with Jeremy, um, and then he essentially couldn't, wasn't cut out for touring the amount that we wanted to tour. Um, It was just an absolute sweetheart um, and was too sensitive of a guy. He knew himself well enough to go like, I I can't going on the road for six weeks is going to break me. Um, But you guys can keep doing the band. Um, so we called Keely, who I grew up with, and he joined the band. And so we did a full tour with Keeley. And then we went to record properly for the first time, like a record. And so it was Jeremy songs that Keeley was playing. And then he added some vocals to. So wow. th- these were songs that we had, the four of us had written. And then Keeley sort of like jumped in. And then everything after that is Keeley. And Keeley has an excellent singing voice. None of us had pipes the way that Keeley does and so we it wasn't even an option to write beautiful melodic music it was like we can do a little I mean not to say we, we I think we wrote some pretty stuff but but not the way that you know like whatever so once Keeley joined the music did sort of naturally take a different direction um, and you know I remember at some point along the way when we were writing to Barry um, you know a lot of times we would just write the instrumental jams and then work on lyrics afterwards. And um, we had a lot of songs written and Keeley started working on vocals and he was like, Hey man, let me know which ones of these you want to sing. Like, I'm not trying to come in and take over. And I was like, "Really? please take over. You know, he was like, you know, like, (laughs) and we would write another one and he'd be like, do you want to take a crack at it? And I'd be like, no, I want you to take a crack at it. Um, So it was really cool that, you know, he didn't, Although I'm sure at some level of him knew that his voice belonged on it more than perhaps other people. He didn't come in and go like, oh, I'm a singer now.
0: Right. And then those when Barry came out, I feel like that definitely catapulted. There were more people paying attention. Um, It might have just been in the circle I was in with the six other people that bought it. But, you know, they were i'm joking people people were starting to pay attention yeah that you know um how did how did it feel as the band did you feel momentum did you feel things yeah, were yeah it, it was
1: always a really you know going back and looking it's actually interesting like i think uh to barry might be the, or the first one under the pretense might be the record that charted the best on cmj which is really that's I'm, my fault <laughs> that was my fault. I mean, it may I must've
0: had that number one for like, I don't know how many, I it, forced I, people I, to play it.
1: That's so good. That's so good. Um, I, it, I, I, my theory is that it came out in, uh, on like a, you know, a dead week, you know, like, so, so like, it was oh, opportunely, yeah, the, the ad week was low. Was <laughs> yeah. Weak. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, I, I think the thing with engine down was it was a really organic trajectory. Um, there I, I i don't think we ever felt a big shift um externally it was always we, you know around when to came out we were taking the band more seriously before that it had been like a tour every summer to was the first record that we toured the full u.s on wow um and we just were like okay this is a thing we're gonna we're gonna really do it um you know and those red lights we called them the heat lamps because there's like fry warmers or whatever um but um that was like an effort to we're playing a different place every night sometimes it's a house sometimes it's a you know like a bar so, and and then we would get these support gigs or tours where you're playing on a massive stage and so you're in these different environments everything feels so different every night and bringing our own bobo ass you know like light rig was a way of keeping things familiar making sure that our connection on stage was strong enough that, you know, because if you get into a weird space, you're playing like during the day in some, you know, VFW with like light streaming in the windows. There's no vibe. And it's really hard to connect with the music if you're not connecting with it. It's like, what am I doing with my life? You know, you spend 23 hours in the worst places on earth to spend this one hour on stage. And if you don't connect, you know, it's like, I wish I wasn't here. Um, so that was, you know, like those red lights. And then after that, we sort of always brought our own, um, had our own uh, super home job, um, you know, like lights that that um, was an effort to keep the mood similar for us and for people watching, you know, just so that it, cause visually, you know, I, that stuff makes a difference to me, um, you know, when you see a band and something annoying is happening or something visually is bothering you, you just can't get into it the way you can if it's consistent or right. Know, if there's a vibe.
0: Right. And I feel like, I mean, that was, you remembered that. You remembered the show and I don't think it was a gimmicky thing. It was more of it made sense for the sound. It made sense with the music and I think it's always like someone doesn't want to, there's not just going to be a hundred youth of today band. Someone's going to hear it and want to s- do something different off of it. And I feel right. like that was also, you were into those emo bands or you're into that stuff, but I'm going to add on something else.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And so what else, when you think about engine down, what else do you remember about that time or the scene or, um, things that, you know, maybe you didn't see then,
1: well, one thing that's interesting that I, that I, uh, didn't see then, um, you know, I, I took a trip, uh, Keeley, the guys and I were, you know, like talking on a group thread, um, about something, um, and what is the
0: group thread called? uh, ca- what, 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 what is know, the group thread it, called?
1: I don't think it has a name. Cause I don't you think need to name it name. like, we you do, know, do.
0: en- engine down red light or something, something red light <laughs> yeah. district. Yeah. yeah All yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, <laughs> but uh so i i went looking for some thing that we had been talking about and um and came across sometime within the past one video within the past year and then another video that just went up you know during the pandemic so somebody clearly had time on their hands um but full sets from the very beginning of engine down um, you know, footage that I've definitely never seen before. And, and there was a song on there that I was like, I've never heard this song before, you know, like this is, this is new to me. Wow. Um, and the thing that sort of cracked me up in. So one of the, one of the shows is a full set with Jeremy in the band. And then another set was um more than music uh, fest 98, I guess. Um when Keely, that was Keeley's first tour with the band, um, but what cracked me up about one of the shows was so it's being filmed from sort of side stage and there are seven I mean there's probably 36 people in the audience total seven of them also have video cameras. Um, and it's like, dude. Oh, and, and I, I definitely remember, you know, Beastie Boys,
0: I shot this. You guys were doing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Like, and, and I'm sure, you know, like there are a zillion scene archivists from this time who just have tapes that they've never done anything with, Right. you know, and, and somebody, or at least one of these people just digitize the shit and put it on YouTube Um, during the pandemic but but it it just cracked me up that there were that many people you know filming it and then like where are those tapes because I feel like that you know certain aspects I feel like around that time you know like late 90s early 2000s any show you played that had you know more than one band you had heard of there were at least six little like mini DV cams you know like pointed at stage so like where where is all that stuff i mean not that i need any of it but like but it was cool to see that you know that footage and also a little embarrassing because i was like you know this is the first tour we're still a really young band and i'm like oh i see the influences pretty strongly here (laughs) like
0: (laughs) landed on a little thick yeah 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 Uh, no, you're right. I mean that, that time period, it's like, there were, where is that stuff? And it wasn't as easy as just uploading it after this call and being able to go back and forth. So there was a little barrier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, where did it get shared? What was the hope, you know, like with all those tapes, did, did, were these people just like, yeah, I'm going to put on this one show or were they like, I'm, I am preserving this, you know, like, and if so, You know, I mean, because there were some video comps, there was like actuality of thought. And other than that, there were even even sort of smaller scale than that. People would put together like mixtapes of, you know, like their favorite song from a favorite show from a favorite band. The
0: actuality Um, of thought like I that blew my mind. Like That's all really the well bands done. on it, yeah. yeah I, I interviewed him for the podcast, and I just was like gushing the whole time, and it yeah. just I, that meant a lot. That was right. that was the skate video for that era.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. I thought that was really cool too.
0: Um, and I think too, from the engine down stuff, and having having support and being able, you kind of you kind of leaped out of emo which it you were fucking lucky cuz other bands yeah, didn't yeah right do you right, think right. about that
1: yeah i mean i think that sort of what we did musically well or we or we bridged the gap between second and third wave or something like you know while never while we weren't ever fully second wave we also weren't ever fully third wave but we were tangential to both um so yeah i mean i I do think about that a bit and and yeah you know with engine down by by the later records, we definitely would not have said that we were an emo band um, <laughs> you know, yeah just cause of just cause sort of who that lumped <laughs> us in with or whatever right. you know like uh right I don't know.
0: what what's also interesting is and I want you to talk about is is denali, which I think helped again connect with more indie and yeah. also i was living in new york and that brooklyn scene and that whole thing happening it just yeah. it it's almost like you dipped into that right as well
1: yeah 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 it was yeah it, you know denali again another band that didn't squarely fit in any scene um but could you know play with like a loud rock band or could play with clinic or could play you know like we, we we it was cool that you know we similar somewhat similar to engine down you could be on a number of different you didn't you weren't out of place you know playing a varied bill,
0: but that could have happened with J Tree because J Tree was a hardcore label. Yes, right. they had Promise Ring, but they had a hardcore band like Turning Point. Like, yeah, a, you right. could have gotten right. lumps. So I just think it was. Yeah. A, I think it was an interesting time. Could have the Strokes and all the other crap going on, and Interpol and all those things, and then or Liars and yeah, yeah, yes, and then having yeah. this sort of indie rock hardcore bands kind of dipping into it. And yeah. a, I, I was, I was surprised being in it that it didn't get outed and i was like everyone's letting this through okay cool Everyone, shut the fuck up like like shut the fuck up like it's cam from lazy cane like it's, it's cool. the dude Engine cool. down cool. like it's shut fine. the fuck up i was trying to like keep it cool
1: <laughs> yeah we we um we we were real pumped i mean j tree was the shit at the time you know right. like they just had they had all these bands that were blowing up um and and were doing as well as we could have ever hoped to um and so the fact that they you know were interested in putting out those records was um was we were just real real pumped and they're awesome dudes i mean just going to the office and they had all those polaroids up of every visitor that had come it was like oh, god, oh they put me on the wall um i just found thing.
0: those for the first time
1: nice and i was like oh my god look at everybody it's such a cool it is such a cool thing like yeah that they that i love that um we engine down you know towards the end of engine down we um when we uh put out the last record on a different label than love it um we talked to a bunch of different people um and 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 talked to Tree in the process and um uh the, I, sorry I just thought of this a total aside yeah of course but, you know we made um we had made a couple records with Brian McTernan um you know two engine down records and then I had done a couple of other th- like Ben davis and um I had done a couple of other things with him and he did this impression of Tim Owen um all the time he would he would <laughs> he would do an impression of Tim Owen and the quote that he always used, when he was like when anybody mentioned jade tree or tim owen you know he would do this with his hand and you go snare drum sounds like matt cameron um and and he said it i mean he said it all the time like you know <laughs> to the point there it was a joke in of itself like we, i didn't know tim that well you know like so i i had never heard him say this right. you know brian just it would, would do it so much that it was funny we go to dinner with tim and darren um you know to talk about potentially engine down putting out that record on jade tree and uh i can't remember the name it's that you know vegetarian uh chinese place in philly that whatever oh right everybody Australian goes times. to yeah. yeah um we're having dinner and somebody brings you know tim or somebody brings up a record and tim goes snare drum sounds like matt cameron and 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 to a person, everyone engine down reaches for their water and puts it up to their mouth to not just bust out laughing because we had heard he Brian was so McTernan. serious. Yeah. yeah, and and Brian had we didn't know, but Brian had executed that quote perfectly every time the hundred and forty six <laughs> times we had heard it. He had said it exactly like Tim was going to deliver it, and then Tim delivered it, and we were like, "Oh my God, it's so real!" <laughs> he just said I the exact words. It was it was a really fun time. That's a great that is a great story
0: it was, and then it they was. didn't do it because you guys laughed at them <laughs>
1: right that's right
0: now the was Denali engine down and bats and mice happening at the same time for you um remember I talked about being busy
1: yeah they weren't like engine down and Denali were happening at the same time um bats and mice was not. Bats and Mice and Engine Down was happening at the same time and then I think when Denali started back up um, I ended up like Bats and Mice wanted to do more stuff and I ended up saying like I can't I I have too much other stuff going on but yeah there was a time you know once everybody was out of school and we were doing the band full time uh, Engine Down and Denali co-owned a van and we would just go like Keely and I would just go on tour and we'd get back for a couple weeks then we would go on tour like at lots of those sort of you know uh whatever small i guess they're small venues um and rock clubs in the u.s they were like we're just we're we're gonna pull out a cot for you and Keeley. you guys might as well just stay because your other band's gonna be here in three weeks um but yeah that that felt Busy. But it also felt awesome because it was like, we can't have a real job. We have to quit. And and the music was supporting us. So it was like, oh, we're really doing it. You know, like we don't have day jobs. This is awesome. I think that people in the other bands were like, fuck you guys. You know, like I'm home. <laughs> I'm home twice as long as you are. So I do have to get a real job. Right. And so
0: doing all that time and talking to other bands, like what was some of the discussions about like did it feel things were changing or did you have a sense of what's going on cuz like yeah. i said the brooklyn things happening you know bleed american dropped like just a lot of these right, th- people right, right. that you were we were all associated with were yeah. getting to these different places and it almost yeah. felt i mean it felt competitive
1: yeah 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 agreed you know i mean i think i think when we moved from sort of the like DIY spaces and stuff to, to playing proper rock clubs. That was, you know, a big a, a shift that was like, okay, this is different. These are people that aren't having you here because they love your band and they didn't curate a show around the fact that you're coming through town. This is just right. like some people trying to make a living, you know, and get people in here to sell drinks. Um, so that was like, You know, one thing that felt different. And then, yeah, when people, you know, like I said, um, when Denali signed to Jade Tree and those bands were sort of blowing up in the indie scene, it was like, this is this is really exciting. This feels really cool. Um, You know, I think there was the Engine Down's career was Just like one really long, slow, super straight line, you know, and, and Denali's career was a lot more, a lot quicker and a lot more exponential. Um, there just was like more steam, you know, like, whereas engine, now was literally picking up, you know, a fan at a time, like, okay, cool. We played Lawrence and, um, that one dude will probably come back next time. And that will mean (laughs) that, you know, 49 people will come instead of 48, um, right and the denali thing there was it it, you know like part of it was just like the speed of information you know was growing and um and then part of it was i don't know accessibility and there's like a really attractive woman in the band and you know like um yeah and and i think you know the songs are probably more accessible and whatever um but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think, um, there, there was an element, you know, when, when bands of our ilk or bands that felt like they came from our world were getting on MTV and stuff, we were kind of like, no, oh, huh. You know, and, and, it, and we never had a sing along chorus, never aimed to do that, you know, like, and, and prob and probably couldn't, you know, like if, even if we tried, um, So on one hand, I get it. I understand why, you know, like we weren't ever that big, but also we were like, well, you know, we're working awful hard. (laughs) And, you know, like now, now what is it that, you know, so there's part of it that was like, it would be awesome to be making, you know, to be playing in front of like all these people that, you know, we did, we did two tours with Thursday. And when we toured with them, um, it was on, the first tour was on, um, full collapse and their fans were so rabid and earnest and just like eating it up. This was the first band like they felt the way about Thursday that I did when I first found out about emo, just like this is a lightning bolt to the heart. And like these kids were so pumped Um, and it was awesome to be, you know, not that they cared that much about our band, but like just being in that these kids were hungry for this kind of music um and so that it was like dude this is awesome they just you know like woke the sleeping beast or whatever and then you know we did another tour with them on war all the time and it was a you know however much time had passed a year and a half or something and there were many more uh, bands of that ilk that had gotten big and the vibe with the crowd was just different it wasn't that like this is my first show my first band that i'm really connecting with like that's what all those shows on that first tour felt like it was just like electric every night and then you know war all the time it was like yeah people know about this kind of music and like there was a little bit less just like fervor um so th- yeah the whole thing was was interesting and doing those support tours was always cool because it was like you know if we can That that tour with Thursday really energized us in a way that was like, you know, there are still people out there, and there's a way to reach a larger audience of people that are, you know, just like starving for this, that are so pumped on it, Um, you know. And but at the same time, it was like that's when the internet started kicking in, and you weren't going to find out about something from a fanzine or because your older brother played it. It was like, you know, whose picture you were on MySpace or some shit.
0: Right or alt press or something. Yeah, right. yeah. But it's that that I think our age and you're a couple years older than me. I feel like that age of we didn't have it, then we kind of had it. Yeah, and then the people after us like poured gas on it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we might have had an email or a website, or yeah, and then right. they poured gas right. on it and yeah. like catapulted. I think at the same time their fans were, you know, grew up with all of it, and I liked knowing both. But yeah, I for did sure. sense this, like, wow, these guys are really smart. They uh, marketed themselves. Their merch is cool. Like, yeah, it's not just right. one shirt on a gildan. Yeah, like.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, to me, the landscape is just overwhelming now. Like, there's so much stimulus. I feel bad for bands, honestly, um, because, you know, when we were actively touring, if you wanted to... St- experience something and interact with other people you left your house to go be you know, a show and now if you want to see something or feel something and interact with people you're like it's it is actively coming at you in your home on your toilet you know like you don't have to go anywhere and it is whether you like it or not it's coming at you <laughs> um so it's like there's just such a glut of information that I feel like it's I don't know if I was a kid growing up like I just there's there it's not parallel like people might be having these really um, you know cool experiences finding music finding art now but it's so different than it was when you had to when it came to you the way that it came to us. Um, and I'm not saying, I mean, now it's probably more effort to find something you really connect with because you're wading through so much shit, you know, versus. Which is know, why
0: they're still looking. Like, I still get yeah. emails from young kids being like, what should I listen to? I'm like, what the hell are you asking me for?
1: <laughs> like, you've got, every, go, you've got go, the Go internet. hang out with some other 17-year-olds. You're being weird. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like,
0: do not. But that they're still looking for that, like, just like you in that car yeah with those guys yeah you know like you're there the, it's the same thing right you still need someone to show you
1: yeah 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 how have you felt
0: because you're gonna you you're the one percent um the <laughs> uh how I'm have a you one felt, percenter. Yeah.
1: W- pardon i'm a one percenter
0: yeah you are definitely uh <laughs> everyone else usually just says stop asking me about this tom is the interview yeah. o- over yet yeah feeling about the word and it's it's its impact and its meaning today. How how have you f- because you've been connected to it and you know you are like Steve Aoki who you know who Hoover is or you know that history you know rights of spring yeah, right. and to see it now and if you do say it there is a giggle so yeah you being a fan of it how have you felt over the years and have you felt it change or um what is it what has it felt like for you to be a fan of it for this long
1: yeah I mean I, I think um it's it's interesting to have sort of gone into hiding with it you know like to be like oh well you know like like you said if you talk about it people are like wha wah, you know like oh the haircut you know or people are talking about you know whatever those like crab core bands with the sweep you know like what it's like that's that's definitely not what i'm talking about <laughs> um uh but yeah i mean i think i think just probably just recently because, yeah, like for a while, it, it I just sort of went, you know, went dormant on it. And when you talk to somebody who came up in this era, you can use the word because they know what you're talking about. Um, but um, but I, I think in in sort of thinking about in looking at that old engine down footage and in thinking about this podcast, I was like, dude, no, like that word is powerful to me because it like I was so I felt fa- because I found my people you know like through through that scene like I can't I, I and I still I'm not gonna like go talk to somebody who's not I'm not gonna start throwing like yeah man I'm an emo um hello I'm a grown-ass adult I am right. an emo um <laughs> uh but I I do I've maybe have like reclaimed it in a way recently that feels like I can I can own it. I'm not ashamed of that cuz it is 100% what what it was, you know. Um and yeah. I don't know. I don't know what D- else to say. The, the the washed up is the part that like I maybe have a little bit more of a of a tough time
0: with. Dude, I made up the name <laughs> thirteen years ago. Or God yeah, knows how no, long dude, ago. No, dude, no, no, not, so on, you. You know not on you. Not on you, You know what Matt Pryor said? What? I hadn't I hadn't spoken to him since I worked with him at Vagrant. Literally just said, "Hey, Matt, how's it going? Ready for your podcast?" what's the deal with the name? (laughs) Like, that was the first words out of his mouth. And I was like, shit.
1: Like, I get it. It's just... No, and I get it. I get it too. Like, and I am. Oh, if anybody is a washed up emo, it is fucking this guy. Um, But yeah, whether I'm ready to accept that publicly or not who knows but you said
0: about kind of coming out or you know going under for a little bit i mean there's bands that have said no to me for years yeah and then i'll randomly get an email and they'll say hey i'm i'm ready and i i don't know if there's another genre that had i I don't know if there's another genre that has that much vitriol of the people (laughs) in it Right. I mean, people. Jeremy Enig will not do the show because Because I have emo in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I know who he is. We're friends. We talk. He will not do
1: it because. But he'll go on other
0: ones. But because the word is there, emo. Yeah. Yeah, that's Why? amazing. Why, you Jonathan?
1: Do, you should do um, a special episode where you call the podcast something else.
0: I told him that. I said, I will ch- I will make a new podcast with a yeah. different name and just have your episode.
1: <laughs> He's like, you're funny, Tom. <laughs> no, I'm also being serious, dude. <laughs> Uh yeah 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 why I, I I get it I mean I get it 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 is much maligned you know like but it is interesting that it's the only I'm trying to think of any other genre punk
0: you're totally fine yeah sure metal sure. You, yeah hair metal but no one if someone says metal they think of a metal band they think Metallica and that's yeah. hey, that's fine kill them all like yeah you know yeah. like that's fine it, it's but if you say emo they're gonna think. White belt, hair, yeah. like it's just. I mean, right. I had meetings in the office where someone would mention, "Oh, Tom, you got a podcast," and there'd be outright guffaws. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like,
1: don't get mad, Tom. Don't get mad. <laughs> they don't understand. They don't understand. It's fine. It's not for. Yeah. It's not for them. It's for you. But I get in
0: trouble if I get angry. Like they if yeah. if yeah. they do it yeah, yeah, and they're right. from the bullshit era and they can like I can't get angry. It's kind of like the Republicans Democrats. Right, like, right. The right. Democrat can't make fun of the Republican for saying something racist. Yeah, you but snowflake. If Democrat, you yeah, emo snowflake. snowflake. Yeah, but if I do, I
1: get shit. Why, John? You're Jonathan? being unreasonable. Yeah. Okay. Help me, I, John I don't thing. have any answers, man. I you wish told me I you did. were the one
0: percent. I okay. am, <laughs>
1: unfortunately. I'm gonna. I, I still. Am, it's yeah. right. It's alright. Yeah. So, are there other bands that
0: you loved from that era, or any of the anyone that happened to be unfortunately labeled that by my site or somebody else that no, you um, loved yeah, that we haven't talked about?
1: I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, who else? Who else was there? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, the other thing is like. The uh, By saying, you know, like I, I was all in on emo, like I had a lot to learn. Like I, I didn't I missed all the Midwest shit I missed, you know, like and also wasn't into, you know, or didn't find like the early promise ring stuff or, you know, like any of that sort of Chicago-y, Yelp-y right. stuff, you know, like I... I I, that stuff didn't connect with me the way that the darker, um, the darker stuff did. So, even even within emo, like I was, uh, you know, even more niche than, you know, I'm as everybody, I'm sure, you know, right. Like nobody, nobody was like, yes, I like all of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no. There's always there's always one piece, but the you know in the years since uh, either producing or working now has. Has that has it has it come up? Has have there been people, or uh, have there been different memories that have looked differently back? Like I've had, I mean, bands would walk by my office when I worked at labels. They'd see a poster and be like, "Wait a minute, like where do like?" And that was cool because you didn't yeah. have to say anything.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Has that happened to you?
1: No, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like. Yeah. I can't think of anything because again, like we sort of like really organically sort of like grew like out or adjacent or whatever. Um, you made it out. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I will see, um, you know, it's always fun because I have friends in film production and stuff. So it's always fun when those Easter eggs, you know, like flyers or band posters or stuff show up. Um, in a a movie or a TV show or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I don't get out much. So I don't, I don't don't really have experiences anymore. (laughs) I know no one gets out.
0: So (laughs) since you escaped and you're able to talk about it without having shame (laughs) moving into, you know, producing and doing music, I mean, was that the natural thing of like, okay, I'm done touring, I've got all these connections. I did the production stuff. Like what was that transition like for you?
1: Yeah, it was again, really organic, you know, like I think everybody or, or, um, most everybody in the band when we went to record was as pumped on the process, you know, of recording as they were, you know, like actually you know, whatever performing, um, and that was an element of it. I've always been more of an editor than a creator. In every band, um, I need, like, I need that um, collaboration. Like, I, I when I sit down to write something myself, I, like, instantly edit. I'm like, well, that's stupid. You know, like, as I'm writing the very first note of the very first riff, I'm like, that sucks. I'm done. Um, <laughs> so... I've always been an editor, so the you know production came naturally in a couple of respects. One, I like the sort of techie aspect of it. I like that collaboration aspect, um, and you know, like I just don't have the fountain of creativity that a lot of you know, like that I was sort of thankful to be partnered with in most of the the bands. Um, and all of the production work that I've done has been with you know, like people that I know. Um, and and a lot of it was like, you have stuff to record on? Awesome. Can you do this for free slash very cheap? Um, and it was like, yeah, I love the music that you make and I would love to do that. That's how you um, learn. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, you know, like the, the engine down tape demo I recorded on, you know, a cassette eight track. Um, and, oh man, okay, so... Again, sorry. Jump and ship hardcore here. Um it's but all right. breakdown. Uh, Remember speaking... it's we're
0: loud to soft. You're fine.
1: <laughs> speaking of tapes. So way back when I, I get super into Hoover, um you know like they put out the Lurid Traversal. They have some additional songs that they don't record. Uh band breaks up. Um Kevin Barker who was one of the brothers who ran nervous wreck kids who put out one of the sleepy time, seven inches. Um, and I think they only put out maybe like six or seven records total that label. Um, Kevin went on to be awesome. Musician is touring with all these rad artists. Um, but, uh, Kevin gave me a tape of Hoover playing live on WFMU. Um, so this guy, Pat Duncan, had a show on FMU and he would, you know, if you were in town, you just went and played like Sleepy Time did it. Um, and when Sleepy Time played and uh, and literally we left the place, put the t- tape in the tape deck of the van and, it went, and the tape went and it was like, cool, you know, like whatever. So then, <laughs> you know, 12 years later, I when the Internet fully exists, I reach out to WFMU. They put me in touch with Pat Duncan. I'm like, hey, do you have an archive? You know, like, is there a... And he's like, let me go dig in. It never turned up. Um, but, Damn. But so uh Kevin gave me this tape of Hoover playing on WFMU that had been, clearly had been dubbed like nine times, you know, like... Right. It sounded like it was, you know, on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> and super muffled, but it had... So that song, "Breather Resist, that's on All the President's Men, that old glory comp, that is from that recording... And they also recorded everything else that was going to be on that EP that they put out years and years later. But this recording was like when they were at their peak and it is like and it's just like the recording is saturated as hell. Like they were hitting the tape hard. It sounds like the live show, like easily my favorite recording of the band, like Trump's either of the proper recordings because it's so powerful and like you know, the energy is so there. And then when they finally, you know, so then they said they were going to record those songs. I was like, so pumped. This is cool. I'm going to have a copy of them that doesn't sound like it's on the other side of a carpet. Um And they recorded it. And like, it had been years since Hoover existed. And everybody had gone on to do like jazzier things, you know, like they had gone on to do the sort and Crown Hate Ruin and June of 44 and all these projects that were sort of like more grown up, you know, and like a little more reserved. And so when they came back to record it, it's, it's, it's light, you know, like it's, it's does, it doesn't hit, you know, the way that this recording does. Um, and I was bummed, like truly bummed on, you know, the way that this recording turned out. Um, but then because the internet existed, I looked for like a a better version that hadn't been dubbed nine times and found it on the internet and so that is my absolute favorite you know recording it's so powerful um and so if anybody is interested in the band hoover i suggest googling that the show from wfmu because it's the shit
0: that's amazing yeah i i can't believe alex was at my apartment right before all this like covid shit went down too and we got to hang and like that was crazy
1: yeah I love that so much. It was so random. Yeah. Yeah, Man, that guy always, he had his whole aesthetic so dialed in. Like from 1994, the dude (laughs) looked like what he looks like now. You know, like he's driving a vintage car. Like everything about his rig looks like it's like early 60s. Like his styling never changed. You know, he had his shit just like on lock. Of course
0: Um, he makes mid-century modern furniture. Yeah, totally. Of course he does. Perfect.
1: It's like such a good fit. Like (laughs) the detail and the soul that he's putting into it. Like, it's like, I get it. I get it. This is a good fit for you.
0: (laughs) And then you got into music production on the the creative side doing, you know, commercials and and things like that. How did that, how did that come about?
1: Yeah. again, that was like, you know, sort of people that, you know, um, so had been friends with... Um, the 400 Years guys and they, you know, uh, the one of their fiance's at the time was an agency producer and was working on commercials and was like, hey, I think that my, you know, fiance and his friends could probably like do this stuff gave um them an opportunity to compose against competitively against other established music houses one that one took the money and like just like invested snowballed 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 and um and when engine down you know the the um so that company existed for you know a few months um and then engine down decided to stop touring and being a band and stuff and um and I was just talking to Darren uh, one day about how I was going to try to get into like sound design and film work and stuff. And he was like, Hey, we got this thing going, you should check it out. And he was getting ready to move to New York. So um, I started working with them in Richmond and again, really organic, like hired, sort of hired, like just to like help in the ways that I could. And it grew from there um, into, You know, me actually now doing composing and stuff um, and I have my own company um, after that one sort of split up. And um, again, as more of a more of an editor than a creator, like writing for film and commercials is awesome for me because I have a spec you know like i have a reason like if you i'm have, just writing have, for have, me
0: you have, tw- you have 29.5 seconds
1: yeah yeah and i need to evoke this certain feeling if i'm just writing for me like i'm like it's not good enough you know I'm like <clears> like but if i'm writing for a commercial i'm like this is good enough you know like this is doing what it's supposed to you know like this feels right. a certain way it stops at the right moment for the you know like clever moment um so having those restrictions allows me to write music whereas if i'm just doing it for me like it's i have total writer's block where i'm just like i hate this stupid i'm the worst
0: fighting with your bands after 7 hours
1: <laughs> yeah but except it's just me
0: you're fighting with yourself for 7 <laughs> hours but that's really interesting from yeah. the the editor standpoint of the yeah yes you're still creating but you have these parameters or you have these deadlines almost and that's like
1: so helpful you know so maybe what i need to do in order to like make a record is just like create some false like, well, it needs to be what you're going to do is this exact thing and you need to have it done in four and a half weeks. Go.
0: Right. As long as the drums sound like.
1: <laughs> <Just> yeah, <kidding. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's
0: really cool. I mean, it seems like a great, you know, trajectory from, you know, the creative process and the the DIY. It's like you're kind of um I don't know. It seems like it. I know that that's, I know it's, it's happened and it's, you you can't say that it wouldn't, but the progression seems natural versus, you know, forced. Like I had to work at this investment bank for 12 years or something.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, no, it it really was organic. I'm super thankful. Uh, You know, obviously I never, you know, thought that I was going to be like a jingle dude. Um, But this is like the best rock and roll retirement job. Do you know know how many people are
0: though? I mean, it yeah, is,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you it's, know, John it's,
0: Spencer from Scarlet. Yeah. Is, yeah, I'm sure exactly. You're friends with him. Uh, yeah. Josh from Shift. Who else yeah. does it? The dude from Longwave does it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pedro from Jealous Sound does it like it's crazy
1: right. how many from yeah. that
0: time. Totally. write jingles.
1: Yeah, exactly. We, we have, you know, like so Andrew from Thursday is my business partner. Um, and, w- you know, like we work with Arun who plays and saves the yes. day and we work with Josh, you know, from shift and, um, like I've had Tim Casher write before, um, you know, it's, it, it really is an awesome, you know, to have our own company and have it be really small and be able to pay, you know, composers to l- a living wage and have this be an opportunity for them as well, you know, like to make a living from music without having to like, um, you know, whatever, uh, slog it out on the road. Um, it, it has been really, you know, a really natural evolution, you know, in the beginning, I felt a little conflicted, like, I don't know, you know, like you're working for these big brands whose like ethical practices. You're, you know, you're at odds with, and it's like, yeah, it was like, okay, cool. Like we'll take your money and and Robin hood it, you know, like, we're going to put it into the community in ways that we, um, you know, whatever can, can get behind. Um, and I have, you know, I have less misgivings about it now than I did when I first started. Um, and part of that is, you know, now that it's my company, um, and I can choose exactly what, you know, like I want to do with it. It feels,
0: I love that term about Robin hooding it. Cause it's right. It's like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to give this to Josh, you know, <laughs> shift like yeah. this is, you know, this yeah. is, this fits and not just because he's a friend or not because it fits in the you know, again, like not having to slog it on the road.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Because
0: that's because that's for the young folk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Apparently, well, <laughs>
0: when it's when you can tour, but yeah, unless yeah. you're unless oh, you're man. trapped or one of those other bands that decided to, uh, to tour. Ouch.
1: Yeah. Um, keep, keep no, it's it cr-
0: it's cool. J- Shift is the reason why I'm in the industry.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: Yeah, I did their website, their nice. unofficial website in college.
1: That's so tight.
0: Yeah, no, it was horrible. It was on GeoCities.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, the best websites were on GeoCities. If they weren't on Angelfire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood slash eight, two, three, seven. That's how you got there. Oh, man. Um, but so that was good. their website. And then, yeah, they ended up helping me get my first job in the industry and awesome. Uh, yeah. But like the, but again, those relationships stick and like you being able to do that and everyone, I feel like you guys, you know, you didn't put your hooks in that, that music. You, you saved it for McDonald's, you know, or something <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. We we saved it. We saved it. We did. You know, we did. I, you
0: know, it hooks, but you know, it yeah. wasn't like the yeah. sweeping chorus.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like we we could. We could we could put some, you know, some we could really move some units, but we uh we opted to like you said, save her for McDonald's. <laughs> I'm going to run with that one. Go for it.
0: Last go. thing, uh what is if if you were to tell someone about emo or you needed to discuss it with them, like, how do you approach it? How do you uh, bring it up without getting angry?
1: Oh, gosh. I haven't had to, you know? Um, really? Yeah. I want your life. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to yourself, Tom. I know. Um, the, yeah, I mean, I think... Um,
0: I guess I, then looking back on it, being connected to you and how does it feel now and um what's the you know moving forward like do you feel like it's going to be with you forever
1: um I do and I'm not afraid of that you know I I remember um explaining it to my parents you know like 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 well what type of music are you playing um and telling them and like well isn't all music emotional it's like well yeah but like this is like the music is a little the emotion is a little closer to the surface slash fully out of the surface (laughs) um so yeah, I don't, as far as explaining it, um, I probably qualify it if I, if I had to, you know, like um, just like talking to somebody, a random uh, acquaintance about the fact that I did this podcast, you know, I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, it's called watch Up Emo. Um, but emo was kind of a different thing, you know, like in the <laughs> late 90s than probably what you're thinking. Uh, there would be some qualification for sure. It's
0: okay. But, yeah. What, what, what are you most proud of?
1: Oh, man. I mean, the fact that people connected with it, you know, like the the fact that we were able to to make these records and that um, people that we had never met. Because like it was one thing to be when we first started playing and like your friends were like, that was really cool. Um, But then to have somebody you didn't know in a totally different place on Earth, you know, connect with the music in the way that you have connected with music and to have somebody talk about, you know, what you created in a way that you have felt before about someone else's art was like that's that's what I'm most proud of is that you know like that we could share, you know, that experience, whatever that impact, um, or that anybody can feel that impact from something that I created. Um and helped do it. you know, it's like that's the, Cool. One person at a time.
0: Yeah. Literally one
1: person at a time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Cool. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Super fun.